Good morning, everyone. I hope everybody is having a wonderful Sunday morning. I'm so thankful that you chose to come out and worship with us at Crestview Baptist Church this morning. And if you're tuned in online, I'm so thankful that you decided to to tune in and watch us. Uh, if you're a visitor and you've never filled out a visitor form, there are some in the pews in front of you. If you would fill one of those out and drop it in the offering box, that would be great. Um, as we move into service, we have quite a few announcements this week. And the first one I want to talk about is the one that's most exciting to me. Tonight at six o'clock, we begin Vacation Bible School. I have 30 kids pre-registered so far for Vacation Bible School. And I know that may not sound like a lot, but uh, considering that last year a lot of churches didn't have Vacation Bible School, that's a lot getting these kids in the door. And uh, that is the first step to presenting the gospel to some of these kids who may not have an opportunity to hear the gospel at other times. Um, with that being said, Vacation Bible School, uh, we are going to do some decorations. I have a team that have assembled themselves. They're a good team. I didn't have to assemble them. They assembled themselves. And we're going to be doing some decoration, decorating the sanctuary and things after church. That being said, um, if anybody with muscles, I don't have any. It would like to stay and help move some things around on the stage, some chairs and stuff, and uh, get some of these backdrops out that we're going to move from the back. Uh, we're going to do that right after church just to get them out here, and then we're going to come. We're going to go eat, and then we're going to come back and do the rest of it. So if anybody wants to stay and help do that after church, that would be greatly appreciated. But don't forget, invite your neighbors, kids, uh, bring your kids. Um, tomorrow morning. We are, the Sunshiners are going to eat breakfast at Strawberry Hill. Sanders said be here at ni- be ready to leave at 9 o'clock. She will leave you, she said. No, I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. Artie said, Artie nodded and said he would leave you, yes. Oh, Ar- okay. Getting mixed signals here. No, I'm just kidding. Be here at 9 o'clock and be here ready to leave at 9 o'clock in the morning. I've never ate at Strawberry Hill. I'm going to tag along. Um... So, I did not sign up. I'm driving a van. <laughs> I'm going to be going in the morning, tagging along, uh, helping with that. Uh, don't forget, uh, because of Bible school, there will not be regular service on Wednesday night. That being said, you are all invited, if you would like to, to come out to the commencement for Vacation Bible School. Um, that's going to begin around 7.30 here in the sanctuary. Um, and then we're going to uh, have a hot dog meal afterwards. Uh, so if you would like, if you don't, even if you don't have kids in there and you would like to come out and see what they did throughout the week, you're all invited to that. Um, I would like to personally extend that to you. So, but no prayer, no prayer, uh, no Bible study on Wednesday night. Um, don't forget, next Saturday is the first Saturday of the month. Uh, we are having our all-you-can-eat breakfast, uh, sponsored by the Baptist men, out here in the fellowship hall. 
Uh, be sure if you're in town to come out and support that. I know it's a holiday weekend, and some of you guys are going to be going out of town, and I understand that. But if you're here, uh, try to come out and support that. I don't think there are any more announcements. Uh, oh, Thursday night. I was wrong. Thursday night, the men will be working. They're doing some uh, projects down by the creek, uh, making our house look fancy. They're doing a good job at it. So uh, you come and uh, come out and, and help with that. Sit around, and uh, you won't get to sit around and talk. They'll give you a tool and put you to work. Whitey's in charge. He won't just have you sitting around. Uh, but uh, come out for that. Other than that, I just invite you to turn your hearts toward Jesus this morning and just focus on the Creator as we get ready to worship. Good morning. Well, come on, guys. That was sort of weak. Let's try that again. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. You know, in the Bible where it talks about shouting to Zion and singing, the words that it uses is not just meek speech. It's not just talking in a calm, quiet voice. It is from the rooftops with your lungs full to, to shouting your head off. That's what it talks about. So when we're in the house of the God, uh, the house of God, that's the way we need to praise God. As we start our time together this morning, I want to echo Chad's uh, sentiment of thank you for being here. We hope that you have the freedom to worship this morning. The prayer requests that we have, they're on a prayer sheet um, that has been printed and it's out at the, at the Welcome Center. Um, we're going to be doing that every, um, have that available every Sunday morning. It's from the, the week before on Wednesday night. Um, that's when we'll update everything on those prayer lists. If you have anything that you would like to add, please let me know. But everything that I know of up to date, up to this morning, is on that prayer list. So uh, please take a time to get that on your way out. But as Chad mentioned, we do start VBS tonight. So I want to start our service this morning by having a specific prayer for those that are working VBS, those that are uh, going to be attending VBS, because this is one of the greatest outreaches for the gospel that we can have as a church here in our own community. As Chad mentioned that... Uh, Several churches are seeing below average attendance. Even we will have below average attendance. But we're excited about the ones that God is bringing. In fact, Chad told me how many they were pre-registered last night, and that number went up this morning um, being pre-registered. That's not counting the ones that will be coming that will get registered tonight or through the week. But we have the opportunity of sharing the gospel with many, many children and families, and we're excited about that. So at this time, this is what I would like you to do, that if you are working VBS in any possible way, if you're leading a group, if you're teaching a segment, if you are, um, if, if you are preparing food, if you're decorating, if you're doing anything, with VBS, if you would please stand where you are right now. If you would please stand.
we want to have a special time of prayer for these people because this week they are serving as missionaries for our church and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So at this time, if you would please join me in prayer, praying for these that are working with these children and these families this week. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. Dear Lord, we are seeking your face. We are asking you right now, dear Lord, that, that you wrap these that are standing. Wrap them in your arms, dear Lord. Have your spirit go before them in their efforts to, to reach these children that they will be serving this week. Dear Lord, give them the words to say. Some of the children have grown up in church. But some, dear Lord, the only time they will enter a church building in their young lives is when they come to vacation Bible school. Dear Lord, give them the opportunities. Give them the words to say so that they may lead these young people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, we also ask you that you be with all the families that will be sending their children. Be with those moms and dads and grandmothers and aunts and uncles that will be bringing children to our church this week. Dear Lord, some of these families may not know you. They may not attend church. God may not be a priority in their life, dear Lord, and Jesus Christ has no place there. But dear Lord, you're allowing us to have an opportunity to reach these families. Do not let us take it for granted. Dear Lord, I ask you that you give these people that are standing the power to be your witnesses this week. That you give them the words to say, you give them everything that they need to accomplish your will this week. And dear Lord, I ask you that you be with us this morning as we take this short time to focus on you as Sandra leads us and the choir leads us, that we will sing to the top of our lungs your praises. And dear Lord, that Chad will reach even our adults with his children's message. And dear Lord, that you will speak through me as I bring the message that you have laid on my heart this week. That your name will be glorified. And that we will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with every breath. Bless this time that we have together. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Let us stand as we sing hymn number 329, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. We'll sing the first and the third verses, 329. Oh, uh-huh. 
matchless grace freely bestowed on all who believe you that are longing to see his face will you this moment his grace receive All right, kids, come on down forward, and I want you to do me a favor. Start me, you sit right here, Thomas. You sit on this side. We're going to split it up. Let's see how I can do it. We're going to do boys and girls. We're going to do girls on this side and boys on this side. Because in a minute, we're going to split you up. I'm going to need you to help me. We're going to get, Mr. Artie, he made a mistake. He said we could get loud in church. He might have messed up, but it's okay. We'll see. All right, guys, so this week is Vacation Bible School. And that being said, I want to be sure that if you've got kids and you're watching at home, that you bring those kids out. I would love to get to know your children. I would love to get to know you guys. I would love to uh, just spend the week sharing the gospel with you guys, not just me, along with an awesome group of people who are helping. Because you know what I've learned in this? Well, I didn't. I knew this anyway. I'm just a small cog, and uh, if I fell out, everything would probably still, still, still turn just as good, but that's okay. I love you guys, and I love being here. I'm going to ask you guys some questions, and I'm going to give you some instructions. So if, if you think it is true, the question I ask you, I want you to raise your hand. Can you do that? So, raise, so, so if it's true, what are you going to do? If I ask you a question, and you think it's true... Raise your hand. If you don't think it's true, put, keep your hand down, okay? All right, the first one is, there are more than one million stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Do you think that's true or false? A hundred million, not a million. One hundred million. Come on, that's true. Everything posted on social media and the World Wide Web is true. That's false. That's definitely false. The national animal for Scotland is the unicorn. Guess what? That's true. (laughs) After the flood, Noah's Ark landed in Kentucky, and it's still there today, and you can go visit it. (laughs) No, that's false. That's false, definitely. The Bible teaches that... Listen, I want you to listen to this. The Bible teaches that there were three wise men who came to visit Jesus after his birth. True or false? That's false. It doesn't tell how many wise men there were. Oh my goodness. And the Bible has over 600 stories that are 100% true. 
Well, that is true. There are six over over six hundred stories in the Bible. Thomas, you set up for me, buddy. All right. So, I'll, so good job for the ones who got it right. Um, so, I want you to think about how we get information. Sit down, Teddy. We get information. I'm bad about getting my internet information from the internet. But when I was younger, Thomas, sit down. Thomas, sit down. Teddy, sit down. We didn't have the internet to go look on it. Uh, to go look on like we do now. And we'd have to go to dictionaries and things like that. And dictionaries have facts in them. But of all the places that you can go to get information, there's only one place, there's only one place that I can guarantee you is you're going to find 100% true information every time you go to it. Well, how about this book right here? This holy Bible. is Everything in here Everything else in the world can be wrong at times. I'm not saying your parents are wrong. Don't go home and use that against me. But um, I may have given them fuel, Laura. Sorry. <laughs> She's just shaking her head. But the Bible is 100% true every time. And I'm going to read a Bible verse for you. It's Jeremiah 29, verse 13. And this Bible verse is special because this is our Bible verse for the week. And I want to challenge you guys to learn this Bible verse before the end of the week. So let's hear what it says. It says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That is our Bible verse for the week. God wants us to seek the truth in the Bible. And when we seek Him, when we go out looking for God and we do it with all of our hearts, we're going to find Him. And that's what we're going to be learning this week. It's, it's a theme. I dressed a little bit. I, tried to, I brought some treasure today. And I tried to dress like Indiana Jones a little bit. And um, so, but we're going to be our archaeologists this week. Archaeologists look to find answers. Well, we're going to be looking to find answers, but not about artifacts and things like that. We're going to be looking in God's Word to find the truth. And we have a motto for the week. You know what a motto is? A motto is something we say, and we're going to learn it. And so our motto is this. Our motto is, seek truth, find Jesus. Can you guys say that with me? Seek truth, find Jesus. And so to get that through our heads, we're going to split us up. This, the girls in this side, are in a minute, they're going to say, seek truth. And the boys in this side are going to say, find Jesus. So let's see how good we can do that. One, two, three. Seek truth, find Jesus. Boys, that was weak. Let's try it one more time. Seek truth, find Jesus. Seek truth, find Jesus. And that's what we're going to be doing this week, guys. And I'm so excited. And I hope you guys are too. And we're going to talk a little bit more about it as we go to children's church. So let's bow our heads and we're going to line up in the back corner after we pray, okay? God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for each one of these boys and girls that are here. Lord, I pray as we go into Bible school this week that as we open our Bibles and we listen to stories that we are prepared to seek the truth and that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Lord, I love you so much, and I'm so thankful for these kids 
and the adults that are helping this week. And I just pray that you bless everyone who walks through this door and that they slow down enough to hear the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. All we ask in your name. Amen.
Thank you, choir, for that. We get started in our sermon. The first is there are certain signs that we are told to look for to see if our church is dying or not. Such as is that they are not concerned with bringing any new people into the church. See, that's a sign of a dying church is because if you're not bringing new people into the church, eventually the people within that church are going to grow old, they're going to die, and there's not going to be any new generation to take their place. And eventually the church dies. Another sign is that they're more concerned about what they want instead of what God wants. You see, if we're not actively seeking to do God's will and doing God's will, and we're more concerned with what we want, then eventually God's going to remove his spirit from our church and we're going to die. And, and that's what we are told to look for. So a lot of times, specialists from the association, specialists from the the. the the, uh, the state convention will come in upon request to help churches find out what is the problem. Why is their attendance declining? What, and they're finding these things out. One of the other things that signifies a dying church is there's no young families and no children. Again, no future generations to continue the church. And eventually what happens is that church ends up having to shut its doors. The other thing that I want to, to tell you is this, is that one of my favorite movies is Facing the Giants. And everybody knows about this movie, but there's one scene in particular where this man had been coming to this school every day and had go, been going through and praying for each individual locker and the children that were associated with that locker, praying that God would do a work in their lives and that revival would come to that school. Every day he came. Well, the coach went to him one day and said, is what you're doing making a difference? I have watched you day after day, year after year, come and do this. Is it making a difference? And the man shares with the coach. He said there were two farmers that were praying for rain. One farmer prayed for rain and went and sat down and just waited. The other farmer prayed for rain and then went out and prepared his fields to receive the rain. Then he asked the question, which farmer do you think God listened to? The one that just prayed and went and sat down and expected God to do everything for him or the, the one that prepared his field to receive the blessing of rain? Church, I'm telling you this. If we want our church to grow, if we want to receive God's blessing, we better be prepared to receive the blessing that he sends us. We can say that something's an outreach event, but are we prepared to receive those? 
because I can guarantee you this, the ones that need to, re- need to, to receive the message of Jesus Christ may not look like us. They have not been raised in church. They're not going to act like us. They may not even smell like us, but we better be ready to receive the ones that God sends us. And so I want us to look at, at these verses today out of Mark, and the title of the sermon is Bring Our Children to God. One of the complaints, and I do hear complaints about children in church, one of the complaints is they don't know how to act. They're too loud. They're uncontrollable. Um, people get upset. Smears on the walls where children, you know, children have to touch everything and they come running by and they touch the walls and they get the walls dirty. I want to ask you this very important question. In the scheme of things, in the scheme of things, How important is a smear on the wall or a child talking in service compared to that child's everlasting soul and them knowing Jesus Christ and being with him all eternity? That's the way we have to look at it. So as you turn to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, is what we're going to look at. I'm going to ask you to stand. Those verses are going to be on the screen as well as in your bulletin. So if you would stand as I read this. And Mark records this story. How Jesus was teaching. And it says, and they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a small child shall not enter it at all. And he took them in his arms and he began blessing them, laying his hands upon them. Let's pray. Our blessed Lord and Savior, we come before you asking you to bless this time. Dear Lord, thank you for what we see recorded by Mark in his gospel. Speak to us through the reading of your word, and it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There are some things that we need to understand about this story. The first of which is why were they bringing their children to Jesus? Why were they doing this? See, in Mark, the first part of verse 13, it says this, and they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. Here is what we have to understand about this. What they were doing is something that we do today. They were bringing their children, they were dedicating them to Jesus. We do that. We have baby dedications. They were bringing their children to Jesus to dedicate to them. See, the ancient Greek word used here for brought is prospero. And it suggests bringing the children to Jesus for dedication. This word 
was used in conjunction with sacrifice. They were basically, what they were doing is they were bringing their children and they were laying their children on the altar before Jesus Christ. The same thing that Hannah did in the Old Testament when she prayed and asked God to give her a child, to give her a son, and she prayed to the point where they thought she was drunk. She was praying so fervently. And she promised God that if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. And so when Hannah blessed her with a son, she named him Samuel. And when he, he, he came of, of age, when he was weaned, and when he had spent the time growing, he, she took him to the temple and gave him to Eli so that he may be raised to serve God. That's what these parents were doing. They were bringing their children to Jesus, dedicating them to Jesus so that they, he may bless them and they would grow in his knowledge. But why were the disciples trying to stop them? This part doesn't make any sense. They were, they, they, they just, they were stopping them. See, in, in the last part of verse 13, it says, but the disciples rebuked them. They were telling the parents, don't bring your kids to Jesus. Keep your children away from him. What we have to understand is this. They were acting out of a desire to respect Jesus's position as a teacher. They thought the children would bother Jesus. You would be surprised how many times I talk to young parents, and that is their major concern, is that they're worried about bringing their, their children to church because they're afraid that their children would deserve the service. Sometimes parents don't even come into the church. They stay with their kids while other people attend church. They were doing this out of respect for Jesus. They weren't doing it out of malicious acts. They were honestly trying to protect Jesus. And Jesus' attitude here that we're going to read about in a second, what makes it so strange for this time is that during this time, children were not looked at something special except by their parents. They were actually looked at as a nuisance by everybody else. Unless it was your children, all other children were nuisances. And they were treated as such. In fact, there is a recorded um, letter that was written on papyrus from Alexandria um, in the first century, or 1 B.C., it says it, it contained instructions from a husband to his wife that was expecting a child, not knowing whether or not the child had been born yet. But what he instructs his wife is this. She said, if it is a male child or a boy, let the child live. If it is a female child, discard it. That was the attitude toward children. And unfortunately, in some parts of the country, that's still the attitude. 
toward children. But church, you realize that in our, our society here in the United States, we have that same attitude toward children? We do. Except we call it abortion. But it's the same attitude. You get in the debate about when life begins, but the Bible says that, G, that God tells one of his prophets that before you were knit together in your mother's womb, I knew you. David says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit me together. God knows us so well that even before we were even born and created, he had a plan for us. But we take that away and we don't give those children a way of being brought to Jesus through what we call abortion. We have that same attitude toward children now. But Jesus had a different attitude. And here are six truths to show you why Jesus responded the way he did. Mark 14. 10, 14 through 16. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. That word right there says he got sort of ticked at them. And he said to them, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And he took them in his arms and began blessing them, saying, or or laying his hands on them. See, here's the first thing that we have to realize. The first key truth is Jesus, or that children need to be blessed by Jesus. Jesus needs to bless these children. They, They need to be blessed by him. We cannot raise our children the way God would want us to raise children without Jesus blessing them. The second truth is this, is that Jesus wants to bless these children. Look at his response to them. Don't don't stop them. Bring them to me. I want to bless them. The third truth, and this is one that applies directly to us as a church, Parents should be encouraged by the church to bring their children to Jesus at an early age and teach them his ways. We have to support the family. Church, I'm going to tell you something. And this is a biblical truth. God ordained the family and created the family unit long before he created the church. That family unit. That is where the beginning teaching takes place. That is where they they are nurtured. But the church has a part in that family life. Instead of ridiculing, instead of excluding, we need to come alongside of parents and we need to help them. You know, when I was a youth pastor, I used to hear all the time, where such and such is doing this. Did you say anything to them? No, because I don't want to make them mad. 
listen, this is one parent. Sit up. Thank you. If you see my son doing something like that, I'm not going to get mad with you if you correct him and tell him to sit up. Because I am not always there to see what he does. I am not always there to make sure that he is acting appropriately. As a church, we need to come along beside that parent and become an extension, accepting and loving that child and helping teach them about Jesus Christ and what it means to be a disciple of his. You see, there is a story. I don't know if it's true or not, but <clears throat> there was this young man that was from the wrong side of the tracks was coming to church. He had been coming to Sunday school and he was really enjoying it and he was starting to learn. One day he went back to a Sunday school room to talk to his teacher about accepting Jesus Christ. But as he got to the door of that classroom, he overheard a conversation between a parent of another child and the teacher. And the parent was complaining about this young man, that they didn't want their children associating with him because he was from the wrong side of the tracks that he would, they were afraid of the influence that he would be on, that, on their children and that he was not like them and therefore did not need to be at their church. Well, this broke the young man's heart. And as he was standing there crying, the parent and the teacher came out of the room. The parent looked at him with disgust and just walked on past him. The teacher looked at him and said she was sorry. And he looked at her and said, that's okay, teacher. I knew that there was no way that Jesus could love somebody like me and turned and left and never came back. The way the story goes, that young man became one of the most notorious gangsters of all time, John Dillinger. Whether that story is true, I don't know. But I will tell you, stories like that happen every day in churches. Instead of coming alongside the parents, which is, is, is what Jesus is telling us, that we have to, have to support this. We have to allow the children to come to us. We have to allow the children to come to God and be part in teaching them about Jesus. The fourth truth is this, is that Jesus has regarded has regard for the weakest and most vulnerable among us. You look at us in this room. You have some that are elderly. You have some that are younger and you have some that are middle-aged. The elderly no longer have the strength that the younger generation has. But then when you get down to the infants, they've not even began to live their life. They have not developed their skills. They have not all developed their personalities. They cannot function on their own. And left to their own devices, they would die. 
Jesus cares about those young children, just like he cares about those senior adults and everybody in between. But let me ask you this question. Every soul is priceless. But if a senior adult gets saved, how much time do they have to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ? If a middle-aged person accepts Christ as their Savior, how much time do they get to participate and be influential in kingdom building, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? If a child gets saved and begins to develop as a disciple, how much time do they have to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Honestly, there's no way that we can answer that question because we don't know how much time anybody's got. Each of us, we could walk out this door today and drop dead of a heart attack or get in a car wreck or anything else. We have no idea to know what the future holds. But a senior adult at the end of their lifespan and a middle-aged adult halfway through and a child with their entire life in front of them. Statistically speaking, which one has more time? The child. The Bible also says train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old, he what? What? not depart from it. It is so important that we train these children and Jesus shows regard for the weakest, the ones that were not able to do for themselves here in these verses. The fifth truth is no matter how compassionate Jesus' followers are, Jesus himself is more compassionate still. See, we can love, we can hug on, we can understand, but are we the ones that save souls? Jesus cares about a person's soul. He doesn't care necessarily about what they look like, how they act. He looks at us in a different way. He looks at us with the love of the Savior that died on the cross. And He wants us to know He has compassion on us. He shows grace and mercy to us. He shows compassion that we will never be able to fully comprehend or even come close to showing. And then the sixth and final truth is those who come to Jesus must do so in childlike humility, faith, and simplicity. Notice what I said, childlike, not childish. There's a big difference. You see, childlike humility 
is that when you when a child walks up to you they don't immediately look at you as somebody that you're they're equal to they look up at you from down below and especially in the in the parent child relationship children look at their parents when they're young before they get guilted or gilded by society and by seeing flaws and, and, and everything else like that, they look at their parents as being heroes. There is nothing mommy and daddy can't do. Even now, even though my children that are adults see my flaws, if there is something happens in their life and they need help with, who is it that they call? The parents. And then childlike faith. Children do not have to have things proved to them. They accept things on face value. And until they learn to question things, all it takes is mommy and daddy saying, telling them something and they believe it. Why is the sky blue? God made it that way. They're not interested in the science behind it about how the water vapor in the, in the atmosphere reflects the light coming through and filters out everything except for the blue light. And that's why the sky is blue. Did I say that right, Bruce? Okay, good. I had to ask the science teacher to make sure I got that right. But children don't have to know that. My daughter, Casey, up until after she graduated high school, thought that the airport with the, the barbed wire around the, the fence was a prison because she was told as a child that it was the jail. She accepted that fact without questioning it as a child and still believed it until she found out later as we were driving by and I said something about the airport she says wait a second that's the airport so and so told me that I was, it was the jail back when I was in kindergarten and I just thought it this whole time it was the jail childlike faith and church because of that childlike faith listen to me there is a whole society out there wanting to tell them untruths to get them over to their side to keep them away from the ultimate truth. They want them to think that there's gray areas, that there's no absolute truth and no absolute wrong, that everything is okay and that everything is permissible. But that's not what the Bible says. There is right and wrong. There is ultimate truth. And if we're not sharing with them when they're at this age where they, they understand without, where they believe without understanding, then somebody's going to get there before us. And simplicity. Listen, church, the gospel is the most simple concept that you can ever come across. Jesus loved you so much that he died for you. 
We are all sinners. But because of Jesus' love for us and his death on the cross, we can have forgiveness of our sins. How much more simple is it than that? We teach them in vacation Bible school, ABCs, admit, believe, and confess. Simple. But we as adults want to make it complicated. We want to make it so difficult, and it's not. And so Jesus says that unless we come with the simple faith of a child, the simple humility of a child, that we won't understand the gospel. We won't understand the kingdom, and we can't get there. You see, when we humble ourselves before the Almighty God, we are being just like a child. When we pray, we are being just like a child. Going to their Father. You see, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we have the ability to walk before the, the throne of Almighty God as His child to make our petitions known. We don't have to go through anybody else. We no longer have to offer a sacrifice because the ultimate sacrifice has already been made. We don't have to go through a priest because we are now a child of God and we can go to Him directly. We don't have to make it difficult to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior because it is the simplest thing. A, B, C. But the church, what I want to know is this. We're getting ready to have children that are not like us come into this church. There may be smudges on the wall. There may be food dropped on the floor. Are we willing to accept that to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now understand what I'm saying. I am not saying that we should allow people to run rampant. That's not what I'm saying at all. But are we willing to pay what it takes to reach as many as possible with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we preparing ourselves to receive the blessing that God has got in store for us. Are we ready to be part of bringing children to Jesus? Ask yourself those questions. As we have this time of invitation, listen to what God is telling you to do today. And whatever he is leading you to do, get that taken care of today. Accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't leave without doing it. If it's joining our church, don't leave without doing it. Listen to what God has for you today. And do it as we sing this song. Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation? 
344, Jesus loves me. 344. Thank you for the message that we've heard this morning, the message that the choir brought, and the message that our pastor brought, and the message that Chad brought. And Lord, we pray thanking you for the opportunity of welcoming children and others into our congregation. Lord, may we make the most of the opportunity as we've been challenged to today. We thank you for every child and for every home. And Lord, may they find this. Any who enter this sanctuary and on these grounds, may they find this a welcoming home for them. Now, Lord, be with us as we depart into the community that we may serve you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.